Welcome into Bucks Insider Live. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And man, this is our final show before there will be a game that counts that we will have one more next week. We will be talking about the upcoming so Cowboy game. Show. It's our final show where there's not one this weekend. Okay. You know, where it's like we still got to wait you a little bit. There for a I'm sorry. I'm, I'm easily sorry. confused. I'm trying. I'm just so excited that we're almost to that point that I'm like, we're we're the show away from the show <laughs> where there's going the to be a game. The penultimate show. The penultimate show before there's a game. And man, there is plenty to talk about, plenty yeah. of news because this some is the just week. Something happened right now. Yeah, we just are posting some right now as we speak because, of course, all the roster cutdowns are happening, roster moves all over the place. Because we always talk about the fact that when they get down to the the final. 50 53. It's never it's the never final, final 53, yes. and this morning is proof of that. Yeah. So yesterday, you know, I, yesterday was the final 53. That now there were some other moves. So talk about what happened this morning in particular. Yeah, it's honestly it's the move everybody expected, or the pair of moves uh, when the Buccaneers waived and released and put people on lists and made a variety of 27 moves to get from 80 to 53. One of those that stood out was that they released Logan Ryan. And when you first see it, they're like. Yeah. We, from what we saw in training camp, obviously he's going to have a significant role right. in defense. So why would you release Logan Ryan? Didn't take long to figure out that that's just a way to create a roster spot for a day so that you can keep Ryan Jensen and not have to cut a player and send him through waivers and maybe get claimed by somebody. Right. Since Logan Ryan is a vested veteran, he doesn't go through waivers. So you can say, hey, Logan, we need a spot. Can you help us here? And I don't know how it went down. Maybe they even give him a bonus or something. But the, he knows and the team knows that the next day they'll just re-sign him back or in two days, as it turned out to be. Because you want to get Ryan Jensen through to the 53-man roster in order to have the option to bring him back from injured reserve. If you if you put a guy like Aaron Stinney on injured reserve before the cuts to 53, he's done for the year. Mm. He can't come back. If you if you cut him if you bring him through to the 53 and then put him on IR, then you have the option to designate them for return at some point during the season. And obviously, the Buccaneers are holding out hope that Ryan Jensen's knee injury is not completely season-ending. Right. So that's the whole point of all that. Yes, which makes complete sense. So now we talked about this morning. Let's go back to the fi the the final 53 before yeah. that of uh, some of the moves that were made to get down to that initial 53. Anything that stood out to yeah. you in particular? Well, overall, the thing that was surprising was. Uh, the offensive and defensive balance. So you have 53 spots, right? Three of those go to specialist, kicker, punter, long snapper. So you have 50, which the obvious breakdown would be 25 on each side. But the Buccaneers kept 28 players and only 22 on defense because they kept seven receivers, which was probably the most that you could possibly keep. Right. Four tight ends, which is probably the most you would ever keep, and four running backs. So I thought one of those positions would have to give up something mm -hmm. for the other one, but instead the Buccaneers went deep at all three of them, and also, for at least a day, had to keep a 10th offensive lineman in Ryan right. Jensen. Now it's back to 27-23 with the Logan Ryan-Ryan Jensen swap, but still it's really heavily leaning towards offense because there were just so many players that they wanted to keep. And despite all of that, they still had to cut Tyler Johnson, mm -hmm. and it was it was inevitable that the Bucks were going to have to cut a receiver that clearly can play in the NFL, and he immediately get, got claimed by the Houston Texans, who I believe were second in the claim, Raven, because it's right. the same as the draft order right, right. now, and I believe so they that were second he in the draft. Claimed pretty he quickly. was coveted, right? Yeah. I mean, there are teams at the time that the Texans claimed him; they only had four receivers on their roster. Mm -hmm. Period. So. There are teams out there that have a better, say, I don't know, depth at, say, inside linebacker than we do. Right. But we have better depth at right and still do at wide receiver than almost every team out there. Mm -hmm. So we were going to have to let somebody go that somebody else was going to want. But what it came down to in them keeping Jalen Darden, Scotty Miller, and even Brashad Perryman is that all of those guys have some special teams value. 
and they just didn't feel like Tyler Johnson had any. And you, you have your first four, hoping they're all healthy for the start of the season. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Russell Gage. Those guys are going to get most of the playing time when they're all healthy. So the other guys, if they're going to have a helmet on on game days, are going to have to have some special teams value. Right. I just didn't think Tyler Johnson gave them that. But they do believe he's a good receiver, and we all wish him well in Houston. And then a couple of those undrafted wide receivers that had gotten a lot of attention during the preseason were brought back on the practice squad. Yeah. So that was exciting to see that they will still be a part of the organization in Devin right. Tompkins and Kalen Geiger. Right. Yeah. So, a couple I mean, exciting guys. Yeah, that's what's great. Again, when you have that deep of a room, you know, you don't know. You're going to have to cut a lot of people you might like, and then you worry about are they going to get picked yeah, up? Are they not? And it was sure. great to see that they were able to come back. To the point that there was conjecture by some in the last preseason game when Devin Tompkins and Kalen Geiger hardly played at all that the Bucks were like, let's not put them on tape any more than we have to. Let's mm-hmm. not let people have another look at them. I don't know if that's true or not, but certainly that's what people conjecture. And think about the fact that the, the practice squad now. When I started in the league, it was a five-man practice squad, and now it's 16. It's incredible. And it used to turn over constantly because you'd get players injured, and maybe now you need a linebacker instead mm-hmm. of a receiver. Now you can keep guys the whole year. We kept like 10 guys the whole year last year, and because of those elevation rules, those guys are really an extension of the active roster. So those 16 guys on the practice squad, a lot of them are actually going to see regular season game playing time right yeah which is interesting another spot that i thought was intriguing in the uh in the cut downs and roster moves this week was the backup inside linebackers Mm -hmm. that of course we all know levante devon yeah yeah but then after that it was sort of interesting that there was a trade that there was a maybe unexpected person to make the roster tell us a little bit about that position yeah and in fact todd bowles yesterday was asked what the hardest spots were when they had to make the final decisions for the roster and he said wide receiver obviously and backup inside linebacker and the buccaneers decided to trade Grant Stewart to the uh, Colts, Mm -hmm. who we just played. You should have just stayed there, right? Yeah. And this is sort of the opposite of the receiver situation. Grant Stewart is very good on special teams, but they didn't see him going forward adding much value on defense Mm -hmm. compared to K.J. Britt and the undrafted rookie Olakunle Fadakasi. And so it's kind of the backwards of that. At receiver, they needed to play special teams. At inside linebacker, they're going to play special teams, but they also wanted them to have some value on defense because that's all that we have after Levante Devin and Devin White. Right. So if either of those guys is missing for any period of time, KJ Britt and or Olukunle Fadakasi are on the field and you need them to be give you some value on defense. Right. And we got a question from Jermaine. Uh, he said, who would be our starting safety besides Winfield? So I figure now we've talked about some of those different roster moves and who all is back there at the safety position. What do yeah. we feel like that could end up shaking out looking a, like? That's a very germane question. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> can't help it. Dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. Um, I, I told you my... No, I won't do it. I was going to tell another one, but I won't. Um, <laughs> unless you really what, want to. You have to. a cap. One, one a show. Okay, next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> so, uh, who are we talking about again? Uh, well, now, oh, besides Winfield, who's our oh, starting yeah. safety? Um, the starting safeties in the base package will be Winfield and Mike Edwards. And I think both those guys will be on the field for roughly 100% of the snaps. They're not coming off. like, And that's great news for Mike Edwards. That's where he's been wanting to get to um, for the last three years. And good for him. Uh, obviously, we never take Antoine off the field, but we're going to move him around a lot. And so you're in sub packages a lot. In fact, probably 55 to 60% of your snaps are in a nickel defense. And so that third 
that fifth defensive back is pretty much the same as a starter. And from what we saw in training camp, a lot of times that's going to be Logan Ryan, mm -hmm. who we were just talking about. And that could be Logan Ryan uh, in a two deep with Mike Edwards. That could be Mike or Logan, you know, uh, as a single center fielder in like a cover three or something like that. Um, and when one of those guys, we saw a lot of Antoine Winfield in the slot up close to the line of scrimmage. So. I think you can see a lot of those guys and Keanu O'Neill on the field at some time. So it's probably going to be a lot of mix and match, a lot of different looks, a lot of disguised looks for the offense. And I think they're going to make use of all those guys. But the base starter should be Antoine and Mike. It was funny. I actually uh, emceed an event with Antoine last night. And I was talking to him about Mike Edwards and just what a ball hawk he is. Yeah. And Antoine said, yeah, every game I lace my shoes up and say, make me like Mike. <laughs> Be like Mike. <laughs> Be like Mike. Yeah. But, you know, and, uh, and he was just talking about, he's like, it's just crazy. He's like, he'll get 10 snaps and two interceptions. <laughs> and we were talking about what that would mean for Antoine of how many, if it was he'd, proportionate. He'd, like 50 he'd have like 50 interceptions, <laughs> you know, in a game. And uh, it's just incredible. And so it'll be interesting to see him in more of a starting role, mm -hmm. getting maybe a few more snaps of what that could look like for him knowing well and the question is if mike edwards is such an incredible ball hawk and gets interceptions every time he's on the field then why for the last three years have we not put him on the field 100 percent of the time right. well the reason probably for the most part was he needed to improve his in tackling. certain areas yeah, yeah and get get the more physical side of his right. game and according to the coaches even as soon as like even as recently as the second half of last year, really making big strides in that to the point now they're comfortable having them on the field all the time. Okay, and we have a question from Rob. He said, which of the Bucks' first-year players do you see as having the biggest impact? That including rookies, I assume? I think so, yeah. Logan Hall, Luke, well, if Luke Gedeke's starting, you yep. know, think about who's starting. Logan Hall, he's not starting at the moment, should play a lot. Maybe he'll have a big impact as a pass rusher. That would be what the Bucks are hoping for. Luke Gedeke, probably starting. So if you're starting on the offensive line, you're blocking Tom Brady, snap, that's yeah. a big impact. Rashad White, I think he's actually going to, I think he's done a good job and yeah, has actually just carved out really a bit of a like our punter's obviously going to have a big yeah. impact. Jay Camarda. I'd probably go with Gedeke, though. I mean, yeah. every down. Every I mean, snap Rashad White is, is tempting, but every snap protecting And Gedeke will be involved in a lot of what Rashad White would be doing, right, too. Right, so exactly. we can say that he gets uh, some credit for that. Um, you know, I, I think that we're talking about the offensive line of course that's been a huge topic and mm -hmm. um, with injuries and still not knowing a lot of that and and the left guard position so what do you think that's going to affect about the offense overall do you think that we already know Brady likes a lot of the shorter passes and things like that do you feel like we're going to see that the offense adjusts a little bit to whatever needs to be done with the O-line yeah well I, and I think Tom Brady enjoys all the facets of passing and it's right. just it's been over the last two years what is the defense giving you and the amazing part is over the last two years combined since Tom Brady's been here he actually leads the NFL in vertical routes both completions with 132 and touchdowns with 39 so you're like oh no risk it no biscuit toss right. but we know from being there and a lot of Bucks fans know that uh, that was more in 2020. In 2021, they had to adjust to all the two deep safety shells and then taking um, the deep passes away. And as you saw in that graphic there, Tom Brady adjusted to, an, and the offense and Byron Leftwich and, and everybody adjusted to an amazing degree to the point that he became the best or most productive passer in the league on what they call quick passes, which are ones that are get out of the hand be 
in 2.5 seconds or less from the snap. He, as that graphic showed, he led the league in completions, yards, and touchdowns on such passes. So and there it is again. When the Buccaneers, when defenses started to play Tom Brady and his deep ball differently, then the Bucks and Tom Brady adjusted. And you can see how efficient they were at it. And a lot of that had to do with such great receivers like Chris Godwin, who's great in this mm -hmm. type of game. I do believe because of the uncertainty on the offensive line and the fact that I think those defenses are going to continue to play the Bucks a lot the way they did last year that the Bucks are going to have to do that a lot again. Right. But they got a lot of guys that can do that and they added Russell Gage who's also very good out of the slot and with the ball in his hands they might make more use of guys like Jalen Darden get him the ball quickly. I think if you compare 2020 to 2021 the Bucks offense is going to look more like last year's mm -hmm. than it did 2020 but it always has to adjust mm -hmm. and fortunately Tom Brady has proven that he can pretty much adjust to any system that the Buccaneers want to do. And then we'll close out with this. I know that one other thing in the roster cuts that we learned was who won the kicking battle. Right. Uh, so we now know that Ryan Suckup will again be the kicker. What do you think went into that decision and him winning that spot and what that means for maybe even some of their strategy this year? Well, that's a good question. I don't think it's completely answered yet because what you what you had in this kicker battle and the, battle and the reason why there was a kicker battle is that while Ryan Suckup over the past two years has, as he has been throughout his career, very um, reliable, mm -hmm. especially from 40 yards in. He's only missed one kick from 40 yards in since he got here, which is awesome, right? Yeah. That's what you need first. Um, and, and look, he, by the numbers, he's the most uh, accurate field goal kicker in team history. So that's good. But last year, he only attempted one kick of over 50 yards. And he didn't make it. I believe his longest one was 49. And it got to the point where the Buckners really were not sending him out there to try long field goals. Right. That's why Jose Borregales had a shot. Mm -hmm. Clearly has a big leg. If he can give you some 52 and 50, he had a 56-yarder in the preseason, but then he missed a 52-yarder right. and he missed the 49-yarder that could have won the first game. Um, before you, coaches have to decide, I think, that before you can have the luxury of a guy that can give you a 55-yarder, you have to make sure he can make the gimmies. Right. And I think they just decided in the end, Ryan Suckup is, is the better choice. It's the guy that you know can do it. Maybe Jose could have done it. Honestly, I think he's going to get on somewhere in the league. Maybe Jose could be that guy. But they weren't sure. Right. With Ryan Suckup, you're a lot more sure. I think. And then he made a 52-yarder in the field goal. So, uh, you know, it could have been physical issues. It, it, it yeah. could be that Ryan Suckup is back to not only being automatic from 40 in, but also you can send him out there at 45 or 52, right. and maybe that's what they're thinking. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider Live. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back here next week to take your final questions leading up to that regular season opener. We'll see you then.